podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And we're on, mate. So it's good today. We've got uh, Alan Crossan. For anybody that doesn't know Alan's story, Alan knows the, owns the Clutha Bar, where uh, tragedy struck five years ago, where a helicopter crashed into it and uh, killed ten people. So Alan's just on, obviously, today to tell his story. So thanks for coming on, Alan. Ah, uh, thanks for having me. Um, obviously, we'll get straight to it. And just ask about the Clutha and where were you and stuff the the night of the disaster. Well, on the night I wasn't there, I was in, in the house because a couple of weeks before I had a heart attack and uh, I was just about to go to bed, 22 minutes past 10, a wee bit early, but Friday night, but obviously because of the illness, so I got a call from the manager in the pub, Luis Averio, to say that, well, he never spoke to me, he spoke to my partner, Joe, and he said to her, don't tell Alan that the roofs came in. You know, like panicking because you thought it was a structural thing. And I got a call two minutes after that saying, it's okay, it's a helicopter that's crashed through the roof. And obviously that's panic in the wee guy's mind because he's thinking, the roof's come in, that might be my fault. The helicopter's come through the roof. It's not my fault. You know, it's just a immediate thing like that. So I headed down at the pub. I was there in about five minutes. I don't live that far away from it. And it's just surrounded by first responders, emergency services. And within 10 minutes, I knew there were fatalities in the place. They just start thinking how many, you know, so you go through the whole night, just think about how that happened, what happened, just standing watching it and all that sort of stuff. And kind of silence, the whole place was in silence. All, all it was was just kind of blue lights and then just people standing waiting to see what was happening, to see how many bodies were taken out. It's, uh, that's one of the biggest disasters, I think, in Glasgow. Aye, it was tragic, you know, we had one a wee bit the year after that with the bin lorry thing. That's right, George Square. Was, was, it was strange, you know, same, same, same kind of time. But it was so unusual, you know, about the, the helicopter situation and how that happened and people were in listening to music. It hit a part of the building, the only part of the building that was busy because the rest of the building was closed, you know, and it just came down in that exact spot. It was that. Because there is still a lot of, I know it's getting took to court, is it next year, five years it's been going on? You know, that's, that's a wee bit of a bugbear, that, you know, the, the FAI, is, no, there's no, no, no giving a date yet for the FAI, they're just messing about a wee bit. Has there been a reason, is, uh, what happened? Been, there are I've souls, read, that's I, I've read that much stuff about the helicopter as well, so I've been reading, all, I know you were coming on, so I've been doing a wee bit of research about the helicopter running out of fuel, whether they've took a detour or... There's something not quite right about it, is there? Uh, there's a number of, a number of things not quite right about it. If you just look at the helicopter itself and what happened, forget about anything that happened inside the pub after the crash. The Generally, when there's a, a, a crash, well, it's always the final crash, the AEIB get involved, Air Accident Investigation Bureau. Now, they investigate why and they try to see what happened. They don't, they're not there to lay blame. But by doing things by omission, they can lay blame. So they do various various reports, and then they, they issue a final report, and that goes public. So they issued the final report, 
and in that it's stated there was a the pilot uh, ignored warning signals, but they didn't tell us about three paragraphs they'd taken out. And there was a draft report with three paragraphs saying it was a fuel issue, and I've got that draft report, and we exposed them probably about a year ago now, and it was front page in the Sun that the pilot was clear because we found this draft report. So the draft report was then brought to the Scottish Government, and it was then brought up in the Westminster Parliament as well to try and get answers for it. So those answers aren't, at, the questions aren't answered yet. You know, I was given the opportunity to ask uh, the Aviation Minister at the time, a guy called Lord Armhead, three questions, and he couldn't answer anyone else. You know, were simple questions like who to who who put the the, the who, who, who written report, which is how who asked for the stuff to get taken out, and why was it in the first place? And they couldn't answer any of those questions. That isn't so, it's a bit suspicious, especially if there's been questions to cut, and it's for the families, the grieving families that are they still don't know the answers for five years down the line. It's there's something definitely not right about the situation. Well, there's people sitting waiting to find out what happened to their sons or daughter or their father and all that sort of stuff, you know, and they don't... And I know I, I never knew this at a time, you know, but people do need closure to move on with their lives, and I didn't really understand that, but they do need that. They need closure with the FAI and closer to answers. Of course, man. So the questions they're asking. Yeah, did you know any? Did you know any of Yeah, yeah, I know some of them are, but the, the Cliff was such a pub, it was... Uh, if people came from all around, you know, there's a wee guy, that's the BBC are looking doing a documentary at the end of the year and they're, they're talking about uh, it, it's a way that it was uh, like Glasgow in a way, like people came into it from East Cobride, they came from uh, Diff Broadly and all over, it wasn't like a local pub, they just came for different reasons, you know, there's also a different field there. Now I only used the pub. I used the pub. I never worked in it or anything. I just used it like a pub. And I would go in and nobody would know me. You know, I'd go and get a beer and things like that, that sort of stuff with my pals. And it was great, you know. But can't go, go any in there, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> How long was it closed for? Two years? Uh, just under two years. And what was people's reactions when you opened it back up? How was that? What was that? How was the feel about the place? Uh, the feel was good. 99%. You never pleased everybody. Of course, you never will. You know, some people are saying you should have brought, brought it back. To where it was, you know, like uh, if I could do that, they brought Buddy Holly back, Elvis uh-huh. Presley, and you know, all these people. Uh-huh. You know, they're dead. You know, there's uh-huh. nothing you can do about it. You can't uh-huh. change it. It's unfortunate, you know, and and I don't think it. If I put that pub back to exactly the same way it was, I wouldn't forget any staff that worked on it because uh-huh. we're just too too scared to run it. Yeah, uh, you can. The place was terrible when you were in. in so that, that bit remains. That bit remains closed. That's never. That's never going to hold. I think it's a great pub, and like you say, it is because I know big, big Billy Conley's a fan of the pub. And oh, that's well. I mean, if you so look at names. the, see all the, the the murals outside, they're all people that either played in it or drank in it. So there's only one that isn't, and that's Mary Barber. And the reason Mary Barber's up there is because when I was doing the mural, I didn't have any women, because women didn't really frequent pubs like that in those mm-hmm. days. You know, and there wasn't really... The only, well, there was actually, there was, uh, what's her name? The actress uh, played at the Citizens. She was a Labour MP. That's terrible. Forget her name. I don't know her name. She's no. I'll get. I'll come back to her in a minute. Oh. Anyway, it's Mayor Barber and her. So there, was, no, there wasn't a lot of women. Mayor Barber obviously governed with the, the rent strikes and things like that. Uh, so all the rest of them, like, uh, 
Frank Zappa used to go into Victoria. Billy Corley, obviously, Jerry Rafferty, Spike Milligan, uh-huh. believe it or not. And when it was a wee story of that when Prince Charles was up, he he was up before he came up with it, right after the disaster. Now, I'm the royalist, I don't like that. Nobody would bore my arse with these. Oh, yeah. Things. No. After this show, but you will be. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't bore. <laughs> anyway, Prince Charles is up, and then I get friendly with him and his, his private secretary, every guy who is uh, Lord Reith's grandson. Lord Reith was a guy starting at the BBC, so this guy's pretty, he's a Scottish guy, nice guy as well. So, when the first thing Prince Charles is up, I say to me, you want to come back up for a pint when the pub opens? I'm like, oh, okay, you know, so I get a call. When they find out the pub's open, it's Prince Charles's lot. They say, Can we come back up? Of course, you can. Can I bring my wife? You know, that's the sort of stuff. Camilla. Ah, okay, I can bring her as well. So they get all the cops and everything, and, and they arrive, and I'm standing waiting at the, at the back, and we're walking around. The, the, they come at the side door, and Spike Mulligan's up in the hall, and I say to Charles, I say, Do you know who that is? Because I knew it was his pal. And Camilla said, Oh, that's Spike. And Prince Charles said, he was fucking mental. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> fucking crazy. They were expecting him to swear. No. Were they drinking? No, they were drinking five minutes later in the pub. They're going to the whiskey. Are they? Oh, aye. How were they to meet? They're brand new. Absolutely brand new. Really mm-hmm. nice guy. Mm-hmm. The show is his entourage behind him. You know, they're, they're great people. Was there many of the entourage? Horrors. Was there? Oh, Jesus, aye. He's a great Fortunes it must have been. Uh-huh. I, I spoke to staff to know if there, there was the, the cops that came in the night before, which was just ordinary cops. Then the search guys came in, searched the place. Then another mob came in. Then the special branch came in. Then another mob came in. And then the final, the Royal Guard came in. And that was the last guy, was the guy I spoke to, the Royal Guard. They've got wee badges seeing who they are. Like the men in black kind of thing? Just suits with a wee badge. Aye. Guns and all that sort of stuff, you know. Mental, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, crazy stuff. But he was good, the guy was good, you know what I mean? He was Fair play him for coming uh, up. Yeah, like, I say, you've had some characters in that pub. Oh, I just, I just hope so. you get some closure because five year next year. Do you five year this year? This year. Sorry. March, uh, it's, uh, does the, do you think it's a cover up then? No, the, the, there's definitely an issue with the report because the, 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 when they write the report, what happens is it anybody's named the report, like if it was you, you would get a copy of that report and then you can object to it, if you want to object to it. The three organisations in that report were, were the Airbus, which is a billion, million, trillion company, uh, Bond, big company as well, and Scottish Police. But I read that Bond, the police have hired them again? Or they have, I, so I complained about that. With the, uh-huh. They, they, they re- renegotiated the contract. So why did you do that? Basically, they had nobody else to do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could have said to them, like, before we do that, do you want to sort of clear stuff? But I don't think anybody thought of that, you know. How's the other, the victims' families been? Have they been okay? Aye, aye, aye they're all good. Aye, have they been, because I don't know if they've been, anybody's been paid out or? Well, they have, aye, but so, it's been detrimental sums. It's uh-huh. rubbish. Yeah. You know, like, that was, if I lost my father or my son or something like that, it's, if you see, it's a problem. Money's a, the, the difficult thing. Everybody yeah. thinks it's blood money and this and that. And it's yeah. a Scottish psyche. They think if you're getting money for somebody dying, you know, and if, if you're chasing it, you're complaining about it, you know, it's that. And insurance companies understand this and they'll play on it. 
you know, and that's what they do, you know, and they'll, they'll come at them, they'll offer them money at a certain time, like Christmas, they'll go, rest 40 grand, you know, you think I could do with that, you know, before you know, 40 grand disappears before time January's yeah, finished. Three months. And this is what's happened, you know, and people were getting, like, compensation in the tens of thousands instead of the hundreds of thousands, which it should have been. The millions even? Millions even, sorry. Because so, are they getting like tens of thousands because people need that? They're taking it, and then it says, Look, we've offered you that, you've accepted that, so there's no more. Oh, once you, once you accept it, that's it. Aye. There's no, there's no comeback. No matter what, no matter if we found somebody guilty flying that plane, it doesn't matter. So it's just a dangling a carrot and say, We can give this. Well, if you're skint and you're sitting at Christmas yeah. and you need some money and you're thinking there's 40,000, you should think that's quite a bit of money at a time. Especially if you've lost a loved one or. I want it done. You want it close, closure again. Sad. Move on. Get it finished and move on. Well, obviously, if it's going to court this year, it's going to get dug well, up. It goes again. for an FBI. Yeah, the FBI is a, a different kind of thing. And the Procurator Fiscals are sitting in their arse just now, you know, looking at the window, thinking uh, five years to get an F, a fatal accident inquiry. And I'll give you an example. The, it took half the time to build the Titanic. Right? <laughs> The Ibrox disaster was done in six weeks. The FAI, many people were 60 or something, 67, and the Ibrox disaster were killed in that. And this thing's taken five years. So what are they doing? It's not as if the helicopter's under the sea or they had to find bits. Everything was there. They keep saying it's a complex case, but what's not happening is people are still thinking, well, what's happening here? You know, we're getting dodgy reports, we're getting another report, we're getting somebody saying this, somebody saying that, we're not getting any closer. Does it places doubt in people's minds? Of course it does. Do you know what I mean? For five years to get answers and because with a helicopter, what is it they're saying? They had no fuel, they'd been asked to go back, but the fuel gauges, what they were saying, the fuel gauges were, there was warning signs from the fuel gauge saying that you're running out of fuel. If you're sitting in a car, and you've got two people in the car where you're on a wee dark lane somewhere and you're driving along and there's wee signs going up, you're running out of fuel. If you're a passenger, what are you going to say? I going to the next step petrol station. Ah, but if you're on a helicopter, what are you going to say? Get done, <laughs> aye, get him. Exactly. Aye. So you've got two experienced aviators, two cops, and the plane with a guy. So there's issues. They're saying he turned the fuel pumps off. Why did he turn them off? Mm -hmm. So there's issues there why that happened. Mm -hmm. And we're not even sure if he turned the fuel pumps off after he landed. Because I know they went a detour or something as well that he shouldn't have. Well, I think that's a wee bit of smoke screen. I think right? so. What does that mean, a detour? I know. It, how does it affect the crash? How does it affect if your fuel gauge is low? Then slow, you, slow. You, aye, isn't he? No. Getting back for it. No. This guy was an experienced pilot. He flew in Afghanistan and he flew, flew in Iran. He knew what he was doing. He's flying in war zones. You know, if he's going to bring up a helicopter down safely, he's a guy I'd want sitting next to me. Aye. Something's happened, seriously something to that helicopter, and it's been fuel. And there's been an issue, that before it was an issue with the, the way they cleaned the pipes, and it may be relating to that. But it's, 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 it's another hard thing to go through as well for yourself. Well, you've read it, you've read it, it's complicated things, that like you've lost somebody in a crash like that, which just is really, really unusual. You've lost a loved one in a, in a crash like that, and then you get this added on it. It's another layer of heart and time and this and that. And the next thing before you can get to the next stage of your life, it must have affected you really bad. How what was the effects, the aftermath, and mentally, physically? Me, because if you already took a heart attack before it, then I don't know yet. When I was too busy with all the other shit trying to get 
people heard, you know. Uh-huh. So it might happen, you know, it might not happen, who knows. Have you, how's your mindset been after it all? Cause Mine, that's strong because the support I get is amazing. Yeah, I brilliant. get support from all over Glasgow and all over the uh-huh. world. And, you sh- and so you should, because the amount of charity work that you're doing now and you're involved in, man, is, is unbelievable. Well, the charity started after the accident, obviously. Uh, what happened was that... Uh, I think it was three or four kids broke into the pub a few days after it. And they drank some drink, and there was a charity cancer, and they took the money out of it. And then the newspapers went mental, obviously, they're scum, this, this, and that. It's time that they want me to say they're scum, and I said, no, there's no way, because that, those kids, why would the kids think it was okay to do that? Mm-hmm. So there was a problem there in their mind that it's okay to do that. Probably their parents maybe think it was okay to do that, I and mean, even their grandparents. So we're into a generation of people who accept that type of life, mm-hmm. which is wrong, and this is what's wrong with our society just now. Mm-hmm. They don't have any purpose in their life. They've no direction. Yeah, they've no drive. Nothing. And this is what the Clutter Trust tries to give them. Before they get into those situations, we try to give them a purpose or a thing that they can do. They can learn something, learn like guitar, learn rap or act or something like that. So it's giving them a wee chance. And if they don't, if they can't do it, at least you've got the chance. Exactly, and I think... They're steady sitting out there getting nothing. Years ago, you're on the streets with the ball, you're, you look in the streets, the only people on the streets, they're sitting in the house with their iPads and phones. Well, and if they've got that, you know, some yeah, kids have not got that. Sort of One of the things they've got is they've not got any future, they don't see anything in front of them, except maybe the guy selling drugs down the road and think, oh, he's doing all right, I might go down that wee road. Rife a crime, because they've not got a why, so... It's, when I was supposed to, I was used to look up to the people with the big cars and the, the nice girlfriends selling <coughs> drugs. But reality is, man, if you're selling drugs, what you're doing is destroying other people's lives to benefit you to walk about with a fake Rolex and a lease car. Do you know what I mean? And, uh-huh. and it's all bullshit. It's a lease life because uh-huh. it's no long term. Exactly. It's no long term being it's a, a short dealer. fix for for a unhealthy relationship because what happens is karma's always going to win. If you do bad in life, like I say, bad shit happens. So the people who I look to look up to, either dead or in the jail, the good looking girlfriends back in the day are all fucking fat and overweight, depressed, hating life. So if you're part of that life, now there's young boys now who think selling drugs is cool. It ain't cool to no, destroy people's lives to benefit your own because we're no broken this planet to kind of do these things. It's about helping and the amount of stuff you're doing for the charities to get the young boys off the street, to get them the dance lessons, the singing lessons. Uh, well, they've got to get a chance. They've got to be given that chance, but they've got to be given a chance at work as well. You know, they don't. It's not a level of po- employment there in Scotland just now. It's like it's been wiped out. It's wiped out in the seventies with Thatcher's going on. It's, it's, it's not decrying people that just want to work at that kind of level. That's some people want to do that, go for a beer at weekend, and, and that's their life. That's not there anymore. They need to go and work in a call centre. They need to go in the streets. Mm-hmm. They've got they've no future in front of them, and it's acceptable down generations, two or three generations, which is a problem. That's how a lot of people are miserable because they're not fulfilling their potential as well. They're they're stuck in a, a small bubble where they hate their jobs, they hate their life. They they need to stay in their jobs because of the bills, and they're no creating their own life and their own happiness. No, Scotland's got loads of potential. We 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 create. We're inventors, mm-hmm. and we. We find cures for medicines and Telephones, God knows what. Inventions. One of the one of the things that's affects the clutter badly is cancer through different ways. Now, you imagine the, the amount of people that in Scotland it's in like penicillin and various drugs that they've invented and all the rest. Of it. So let's take all the money that's on Trident up the road in Helensburgh 
the billions that's in that, and you give it your Scottish University, they'd find a cure for cancer, without a doubt. Oh, a million percent. I believe there's a cure for everything. There's a cure there, and it's all your cannabis oils stuff, it's curing tumours ah. and cancers, but it's a billion dollar industry. And of course it is. It's, it's just money, it's greed. Well, that's, well, that's the way the, the medical world works. You know, you'll get medicines like, remember you used to, people used to get ulcers? Mm-hmm. Well, that, you used to get a pill that would kind of solve that. You can buy them over the counter now because if they've run out of their time, they, they, they can control that. So that's now you can buy it over the counter. Same with the other stuff like Viagra, you can now buy that over the counter. Don't know if you buy that or not. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I know Steph does, but. <laughs> hey, Steph. Uh, definitely. Well, I don't really buy it anyway. Steph, where do you get them? No Stephen Pettigrew. No. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? That's an example of how they control that industry. Uh, the because it's multi million pounds. Billions. Pharmaceutical drugs kill more people than any other drug in the world. So they might not want a cure for cancer. They don't want it. Of course they don't. That's just the way these guys work. If it's making them money, greed and powers, it's poisoning men's souls. And that's why people... I believe in... Everybody's creative. Everybody's an individuality. But the scary thing is, the richest place in the world is a graveyard. Why? Because people go and... People die without releasing that book, that music... Showing that skill that they've had, painted that paint, everybody's got potential, mm-hmm. but they die. A lot of it's in the arts as well, you know, and that's what we we, we try to drive, you know, music. Because mm-hmm. Glasgow is a UNESCO city for music, and obviously, Cliff's a big, big music pub, but it's, it, it, it takes people forward, you know, and it's it's a great thing. There's so many talented musicians in Glasgow as well. Look at what you've produced, even just it's now, like Paolo and Cena and things like that. Mm-hmm. Basically. Nice, that's amazing. Nice, yeah, stuff's brilliant. But it's, People think when somebody the, the problem with human beings when somebody fails they quit once or twice they quit, but failure is just an extra step to your your goal. Do you know what I mean? We look at things different. Sometimes you can fail up to a thousand times, but as long as every time you fail, it's just sharpening your arse and, and getting better at that thing that you're failing at. Well, failure seems to be a kind of British thing or maybe a Scottish thing. It's no such thing as failure in America. They'd succeed. Well, look at our old Trump. He's a president <laughs> and he's failed all through his life. You know what I mean? He's failed in everything. Failure, failure's what it's all about. You're never going to be happy every day and succeed every day. Failure's just a step closer to your end product, the goal that you want to it's achieve. It's a lesson. Learn a lesson. It is. Learn a lesson. That's weird. But I mean, as soon as somebody fails two or three times here, they quit. Aye, aye. But Do you know what I mean? It's a psyche that you need to develop. It's the mindset. And it's confidence. Self-esteem. It's great confidence. You'll find the kids that go to private school are more confident than kids that go to ordinary schools. Hmm. 100%. Because if their parents are not, it's, of course they're it's struggling for money. And thing. If you go to Abbott, St. Cuthbert's and Poso, and it's, everybody's fighting and arguing, man. It's huh? the stress of the people. We, I stayed in Stony Hurst, which is a big circle of houses in Poso, so it's like a fucking... It's like the amount of, everybody's stuck in a wee room and they're so angry not tight because they've got bills and everybody's arguing fine so that just passes doing that energy passes What's doing it? and the people who broke out the cliff and stole the money that can pass down for generation to generation well, and it's accepted because I know you were fine about it you, you and I've even well I don't think that. I mean, they were, they've done wrong you know and they'll get probably the wrong thing they'll probably get a jail sentence from, I think they have they still got to court but funnily enough I was with the guys at uh, Sunny Govan and they said one of the boys that broke in, they help him. So indirectly, we help him. And he's actually all right. He's just easily led. Mm-hmm. You know, so that happened a few weeks ago down there. 
That's good, but it is all right to make mistakes. I've done a lot of wrong in my yeah. life. Do you know what I mean? But I'm trying to rectify it on no living the past and accepting. Do you know what? We're all human beings. We all make mistakes. And it's because I know you your past for the gobbles. Your gobbles, boy. Well, I never went to school. Did you know? No. My dad died when I was 14. I just chopped it. Apart from that, school was a pain in the arse anyway. When I was in primary school, it was good. Because I had a scholarship for Alan Glenn's, which was a private school, but I couldn't afford books and things like that, so I never went. So it got to secondary school. First part of secondary school was good. And then they moved us from that school into a comprehensive, which was about 500 miles away, and it took you five hours to get there on three buses and all the rest of it. And by the time you got there, you were late, and there was this bastard waiting at the gate for you to, <laughs> to nip you and punch you and things like that. It was a teacher. You know, so, and one of my friends today, who we met today, actually, done went through the same thing. You know, so you, what you went, you just, I'm not going to school. So you just started a bit. You know, and it was, it was bizarre, you know, and so that's how, you, you know, so you went at 14, my, my dad died, I just went, that's that, I'm out here. They kind of give you a free rein to do what you wanted? Well, you kind of, first thing I did was run away to London with two lassies and ended up in a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my kind of night. <laughs> 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 so I was down there for a couple of weeks, you know, and I up the road. Did you? Oh, that's what, because my old man used to go to like London and Brighton, but he used to do the shoplifting. Ah, ah, you go to work. Well, so I never did. done that, you know, but. Flying bastard. <laughs> 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 Is that what you went to London? Ah, I went to London just to, uh, because it was London, you know, then after. Wait, age? Fourteen. That age you went? Sorry, I was about fifteen and a half. See, when my mother died, when my father died, me and my brother, my brother's two years younger than me, we, my father got involved with these guys from the BTI Bible Training Institute, and they were missionaries, they used to come into the Gorbals to practice before going to Africa and things like that. So he got friendly with them, and a lot of them were really wealthy people. And one of the guys was a guy called John Withy, who had a place in Northern Ireland, his family owned a shipbuilding company called Furnace Withy. And he bought this place. It was like a Christian retreat, if you like. So when my father died, he, he must have wrote to my mother because we never had a phone. He said to her, send the boys over and he'd look after them for the summer and we can go and work. She said, right, okay then. So she gave us some money and said, I'll wait you. Sign Mills in Northern Ireland. I was just about 15 and he was 13. Bus, boat, bus, island. That was that. They have to take us there. <laughs> we got lost somewhere. We're going, where are we? We're there's no phones, there's nothing to no. Google or no. no maps. There you go. So we arrived there and we went into this big cush, you know, it's a huge big place. And it was haunted, you know, it's just to frighten the showers. Because mm-hmm. we were boys for the city, it's all full of light, everything's dark. And it's all that Christian stuff and devils and this and that. Next thing, you know, so. During the day it was good, but at night it was. Murder used to lie in the same bed, cuddling each other. So, did you in your back in the day? What did you used to do then, young? What wise? Well, after that, I went to work as an apprentice jockey. Believe it or not, did you? Uh, He's at it. What's the cut? Paddy Chesmore done it there, then I went down to Les Kennard in Moncton. How did you know? And I was getting taller and taller, and I was worried. I thought, I'm not going to happen. This is I'm not really this. So, I wrote a letter to Lester Piggott and I said to him, What hate what are you? Because I'm worried about getting tall. And he wrote back and said, I'm five foot seven and a quarter or something like that. And I've passed you there on a trainer. And that trainer, it's a guy called Noel Murlis, who was just starting out. He turned to be one of the top trainers. 
But I used to go to the horses and lines, so they paid you. You got a pound a week, seven day a week. Start at six in the morning to eight at night. And they fed you crap because you, you know, keep your weight and sort of thing. But I loved riding horses, man. Did you gamble? No, but later, at a later stage in my life, maybe about eight years ago, I had the racing club, so I had about 12 racehorses at one time. Believe it or not, one of them was called Ibrox. Is that? Huh? Called that, I sell it to the Ibrox. <laughs> <laughs> and they, you know the way it is, people, they buy names and they buy colours. They worked, huh? Ah, that's good business. I had lots of horses, you know, different horses. I had horses running uh, Royal Ascot as well, and that's the time. Th- my horse was second favourite in the Royal Hunt Cup. Mm-hmm. The Queen's present the cup. No, I said, fuck that. I'm not going to be getting any bow on that. No dinner. <laughs> Not one anyway. That's <laughs> like cost a bit of hassle. It was a typical horse for the gorbals. Uh-huh. You know, it started, took out the favourite in the stalls and all uh-huh. that, and it was jumping up <laughs> and throwing. But I, I, thought I finished my division, but you were doing there at Royal Asking, you know, the shit that goes with that, you know what I mean? Aye, or that's arty farty stuff. So I went to the apprentice job, carried the owner to the selling them because they're costing a bloody force uh-huh. that's brilliant but did you ever go into the gambling bad or no no, no. But people people, people who people who were involved in it, it was strange people were involved in the, the horses would buy a share on your horse so I'd sell a syndicate and sell the shares in it and then they'd get the information say the horse is going to one of these it's going to do this that the next thing right 40 grand on it 40,000 pound this businessman uh-huh put on a horse you know what I mean it's mental but that's the way you sh- in that circle you know they know you're, you're not going to be stoning in the bookies the, ass, the old they average arse no but the average arsehole like myself who was gambling all the time no having a clue huh? just betting on luck so if you're in that circle you, you kind of know it's got a chance of what's knowing do you know what I mean? That's how people have got the big suits and the big cars, but for the average person in the bookies, they ain't got a clue. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't all... think the big guys have got a clue either. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Ah, true. You know, because it's everybody doing the same it's thing. But sometimes, you know, I know a story, and it was a wee race at a time, my horse was winning, and it was running up two lines ahead, and other jockeys were shouting, and my jockey, get in there, boy, because they've got the money on it as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you like, very good. Uh, you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> but I never bet, you know, I, don't, I never mm-hmm. bet. The only time I had a horse running the air and it was running the Friday and I went down the Friday to watch it run and the ground was too sticky. So I was watching the race and I go pissed like I normally do because I can drink for Scotland but the next day I'm totally gubbed. I was out the game. Hangover fear. Like three day hangovers I get. They're just wipings, you know. So the trainer's phone is up and says, we're going to run the horse today because he... It's up anyway, it was up for Yorkshire. We're going to run it, question I'm going to say, might as well take a chance in the next day. So it's the day before the, the race before the Gold Cup. And it runs, I'm sitting watching. So I go to my bed, sitting there watching the telly, leaving a bed or nothing, while guys at 10 lines or something like that, 25 grand race, 25 to 1, no got a penny on it. All the guys in the club are on the telly with a cup and all that. Going, Loving life. And I'm sitting there hangover. <laughs> Made it a hundred times worse. <laughs> are you drinking? How's you drinking that now? Or no, you, not as much. No. no. Did you camp? Did you quiet down a bit after? I can't say, no, it's just the extremes. It's just like if I go to drink, we have mental on it, you know. But it's a Glasgow mentality, but aye, aye. I don't drink that anyway. I can't. I'm, I go missing. So I happens, it's just a different uh-huh. it's just the way people are sometimes. I would love to be able to have one or two, but for me, man, I'm, 
I've got. I, I thought. I thought why to go home. Well, I've done that as well, you know. And, and maybe it was. I was married to a psychopath at one point. You know what I mean? And she was just fucking nuts, and I, and I wouldn't go. And I was wanting as a photographer, you know. So I'm working with models and this and that. And next thing you're going out and you're getting. And then you go, hey, you're a psychopath who thinks you're up there, all sorts of things, and you're like, fuck this, man. Especially if you're working with a model. But you just go, I'm away, you know, I'm looking at him, you but, know, that was that. Was that an old marriage? I was going, i stupid, you know. <laughs> I'm I'll tell you, right, but I never, I was, I was about 30 odds or something, I got married, and the day I got married, I went to the carnival and got my face painted as a clown. <laughs> Scared each other. Back in the day in Stony Hurst, we used to have a guy coming around selling candy apples. 
Hey, Wolves can't a guy in a in bags. If you were to go and buy somebody off the street or somebody, you wouldn't buy it. Yeah. Because everybody's riddled with fear. Nobody, everybody's got their own problems and they don't really want to help as much. It's, it's since as times went on, people are scared to help and they think, oh no, man, what if something happens? So nobody's want to take the chance. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you wouldn't get, you wouldn't be able to do it now anyway, the way things were, people were, stuck in that trap that they want their house to be their house and mm-hmm. not caring about anybody else or anything like that but it's maybe a different mindset we should have about that type of thing I think it's so feared it's been thrilled into people's head but oh, is, uh, but that's done through the news that right. we get and social media and all that sort of stuff and in life man we're all going to have lows we're all going to hit lows man where we're going to need people to help out and I'm lucky enough to have good family and pals that have helped me through my struggle obviously with gambling and if I never had them man I'd have been on the streets I was always a gift. Did you bet any of my horses? No. If I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did now, 25 to 1. Well, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I never won. I just think, I've, I've, I've been blessed in a way to, 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 for him to guide me. They always seen potential in me, but gambling's one of the biggest addictions. I know, and well, it's worse than drink because you can't afford it. Uh, you hide it, man. So it's a mental... Yeah, you can lose more money. Uh, you know? It's a mental blockage of the game. Do you know what I mean? Just, it's... In Saracen Street, where I stay, it's bookies, pubs, Chinese restaurants, Indians. So it's just all garbage. You're drinking, you're gambling, you're eating shite food. As well, well. That's, I mean, most bookies are in poor areas. Yeah, you don't get a bookie in the mails, boy. Nah, because they're too smart, they're too clever. But you'll get ten and there's five. Each in, other. There's five bookies in Saracen Streets. All with three machines each. Aye, and it's it's constant. Do you know what I mean? So they're feeding that habit. Sure, why? There's just a law just got passed last week about the machines that should have scrubbed these out of these places and they went, no, we'll just reduce the number. Why? Because we're getting a tax on it. Yeah. It's just money, money, We're going to lose jobs, 5,000 jobs, my arse. You know, create jobs somewhere else for somebody to sit in their bookies. There's always jobs that can be created, do you know what I mean? I know you do, because we're talking, you do a lot of charity work. What's the, what's the plans then? Well, the Clutter Trust, we've got what we do, it's evolved into helping uh, other wee charities that do work like us, or mm. other wee groups that, not, that are not charities, that that require help, like money and things like that. And that's why we divert into that, or we give them music teachers, or we give them equipment. For instance, we've got Radio Lollipop and uh, the Southern General. They need equipment. I'm just showing a couple of things for them, for their kids for a, a, a wee studio. There's a Kojak one in uh, Castlewood we help. There's Shining Stars, another wee one in Coatbridge. Lassie's brilliant through there. She does stuff with kids that have got learning difficulties and teaching them drama. It's all these wee kind of units that we help through that kind of way that we can raise money. And the way we raise money is through a, a lottery, which evolves back to the racehorse kind of thing, called Donate to Win. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you donate one pound it's just one quid a month that you can win a prize. Mm-hmm. So last month's prize was Paolo Nutini's guitar, signed. The one before that was Roy Stewart's guitar. We've got other things like holidays and meals and this and that and next thing. But it's all for other charities to go in because we've got other charities that link in it as well, like Deaf Blind Scotland, Epilepsy Scotland and various others, and they get a share of that as well. Mm-hmm. Any money we get, Go straight to the charity. See, that's brilliant because I've had a meeting and this is a great charity, so get involved. But it's a website where people can look into Donate to Win. Donate to Win. So if you donate, UK. So if you donate a pound, you can also win um, sign guitars. You, 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 well, also, guitars, it's uh, all, there's meals, there's mm-hmm. this, there's just 
stacks of prizes. Aye. The good thing about it is you, you give us a pound a month, it's £12 a year, it's buttons, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And we, we can then say other wee charities, right, you do a wee programme and like plan for that and we'll give you the money. Mm-hmm. That's it shows you where, you go into the website, shows you where the money goes to. The only thing that goes off that pound is eight pence and it's a merchant fee for the transaction. Mm-hmm. So for anybody listening, watch you, man. Check this website. It's a great website. And a lot of good charities. Plus, you get one. Good chance of winning, So, see, Chris, I don't like asking people for money. You know, like I'm going to do run around the block make or something like he's a fiver. Or he's a ten or not to do it, you know. That I would do for a fiver. But you know what I mean? So rather than do that, I say, people, there's a chance of winning a prize. He's a pound. Mm-hmm. That's all we're wanting. Quit. Nothing else. And we can build it up, we can then work at promoting that and, and get people to do it. Have you got any uh, festivals then coming up now, charity we're events? We're working one just now in August, and it's my pal of mine up in Rue Island. And we're looking at headline act. I don't know who yet, so I don't want to say who it is just now, because we're looking at headline act. The festival will be over two days, and we might run two or three a year. It's in a big equestrian centre. We'll run buses from the city centre, and it'll be undercover. You can calm we even think of using some of the stables as rooms with hammocks in it, which are a bit quirky. Mm-hmm. And there'll be all sorts of different food. There'll be other things on it. You could try, like quad biking and trapeze and God knows what. There'll be loads of stuff. Knowing Robert will put on a lot of wacky stuff. Because you're doing millions, millions. You're doing the charity work you're doing is unbelievable, man. So you should get the recognition. The you charity, it's uh, really, I'm not bored, Mars, about that. It's the, the, oh. the beauty about the charity work is what I get. Say, like, go to the Shining Stars and all the the way to sing for you. Mm-hmm. That's what's good. That's the that's the product. Brilliant. That's the the feel good factor. Oh god, that. it's better than me. It's better than any money. So that's when you started doing all the charity work. Was after what happened to the cliffer? I well, I used to do stuff before. Like I would do. I done a calendar for uh, cash for kids, and it's something in the office just now. It's like what a, a recreated Hollywood stars. I recreated local stars any Hollywood stars like Marty Pello was Valentino. Mm-hmm. Lorraine Kelly was some other wee star I can't remember her name it was that Jared Kelly was Charlie Chaplin he was brilliant at it mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant he was one of the best and you know so it was things like that and that calendar made 40 grand or something like that you know so that went into that, the, the cash for kids one of the things we'd done at the start of the Clutter thing was we released a, a CD and we sold 40,000 copies which should have been in a charge, but the way we sold it, we sold it through people that we knew, like uh, Asda and things like that. Uh-huh. So it sold at the counter. It's a cranking CD. How do you know we could not release it again? We're going, I'll think about it, I'm going to speak to the guys and maybe get it uh-huh. out again. We'll maybe do it near the fifth anniversary and we'll raise it for awareness to what's no happening with the FAI and what's no happening with the, the answers that people need. Are you going to get answers this year? Probably not. I'll probably never get answers. Do you not think you'll ever get nah, the truth? No, nah, never. There will always be hidden stuff. There's lots of stuff that happens, you know, stuff, stuff that happened with Glasgow City Council, there's stuff that happened with, with the charity, you know, a wee guy carrying on cancer, which is going, I can't say much about that because it's going to, we'll be going to court. There's people that came in to try and do things, they weren't really doing things for charitable reasons. The council were a bit dodgy through a lot of the stuff they'd done. The AIB were dodgy. And I was told they were going to be dodgy. I met a guy, a guy came over from America to meet me, a guy called Jerry Skinner. You can check, you can Google him. Jerry is a, a lawyer, an aviation lawyer. 
And he worked for the Lockerbie. So he took what happens is the lawyer takes it from where you buy your ticket. So he went West America. So the people bought the ticket there, he worked for them. So collect they got a group collectively, and that's their problem. We didn't get a group together to fight these people as a group. Get a group together and they, they went up against Gaddafi. He got a contract out a million quid, Gaddafi to bump him. And he said, My house is up with somebody on the surrounds got machine guns, you know, mad Americans with tanks and things like that for so. so he's got Gaddafi after him and he threatened Gaddafi, he said, We're gonna shut your country down unless we get proper compensation. So it was something like two point one billion they got off him. And each family, I can't remember the numbers, you know, they got a big a settlement lock for locker BI. So Jerry's sitting in a pub with me, he's still all broke up and all that, and he's telling me, this is what you need to do, you need to watch them. The AIB is like putting the fox in charge of the chicken coop, you know, it's like an American set, and he's saying, they're just, they're looking after themselves, they're not doing anything for you. So they're looking to get money for themselves? Well, no, they're looking after, they're under pressure, you know, the AIB are under pressure from Airbus, and Airbus are saying, no, you better not put that in that report, because we'll just sue you. They're so powerful and they think, oh, shit, better not doing it. You know, so we need to take that stuff out of the report. Whether that's the right thing or not, I don't know, but we need to know why it was taken out. Tell us why it was taken out, and if it's a valid reason, we'll go with it. Who's going to give you the answers? Well, we might get it at the FAI. Is that the, the ones that's constantly... The FAI is your... your are they working with you? Are they backing you? Not really, that's a progressive fiscal, but it comes to court, and we'll put in big lawyers to cover it. We've got really ready to go to QCs all lined up, ready to go for them. And we'll find out, we, our guys will ask you questions and we'll raise it in the different parliaments, the Scottish Parliament, and we'll raise it in Westminster, and why these things are happening. And we'll, we'll not finish until we get an answer from them. We'll force them to give us an answer. So, Scottish government is far more easily known that in, the, in the Westminster, obviously. So the guy from America, what was his? Aye, so Jerry's, Jerry was on his way to Romania. He, run, he runs an orphanage over there. So I said to him, what, so what are you doing next then? He said, well, I've got to the office and I'll go back to America and I'm serving that out in Vladimir Putin. Oh, fucking what? That's some nice Move away for the windy a wee bit, you know, just in case. Mm -hmm. So and you're thinking, so I checked him out later and there's the headlines in America. Jerry Skinner fear his life because of Vladimir Putin. This is for the Ukraine one. And he did set that out on him. So is it all presidents now he goes after? Top boys? Well, he goes after the country who was responsible for the... Mm -hmm. He he helped us. He helped so why us. did you know? Well, you needed. He had to be instructed by the families that were who were who'd lost the loved ones or the, the lawyers and that. But you tend to find what happened. Ours was splintered. Somebody would go to that lawyer. Somebody would go to another lawyer. Somebody would go to another lawyer. Somebody would go to a wee guy that was good at selling houses. The wee guy good at selling houses ain't an aviation lawyer. Mm -hmm. He's gone up against these arseholes for London that are on a thousand pound an hour. Bigwigs that I'm up against, you know. If you, how much support have you got? Because I think this is a massive talking point that you don't. I don't want to say it's swept under the carpet, but it kind of has in a way on it. Well, it's no forgot. It's kind of forgot about. It. It's five years later. Well, that happens. That happens in the media. What happens is that you're only strong for the period that it's of interest. So our period of interest is the anniversary of the clutter. That's the only time that ever happens. Some of these stories will pop up then again various things. There may be a story coming up in the next couple of weeks about the Procurator Fiscal's office, which depends on a couple of things. I can't say again, but mm. 
because it's a court case, you know, so that might come up maybe two or three weeks and it'll be the headlines. And then they'll come back in five years again, you know, what's happening? And then you're back in the telly again, you're back in the radio saying the and same thing. You forgot about. There you go again. Has there never been like a campaign or a big walk or to get people to behind it, man, and people like Glasgow especially? Well, people Glasgow are behind it, you know, mm. but again, it's back to that thing again, it's the interest in it. And, and if I say to people, if I say to you, I've not been properly compensated yet, you go, you're fucking kidding. And if not, mm-hmm. they still owe me money, that's five years down the line, but they try to start me out. Or they like doing that because, we're not getting that because they, well, you've no supplied that wee bit of paper. Or you have, but we don't understand it, supply it again in a different form, you know, come up with that. And they're doing that because you're so noisy about what happened, you know, or sticking up for other people's rights and stuff like that. I don't, I don't give a shit about it. They don't want you creating noise, they want you to shut you up, shut, up shut the fuck up and go on with your They just life. want to put a line into that. Mm-hmm. Now, the lawyer they've got working from in London, let's say she's owned, for talking, say, £600 on her, five years, she doesn't want that case shut, does she? No, she's sitting in a big mansion now, isn't she? And? Aye. You know, it makes make sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to close it early? Mm-hmm. Let's keep fighting that bastard crossing. Let's just are they fighting you the against you, aye? Well, they're not paying it. How's the police been, mate? Police are brand new. Are Firemen they? are brand new. I, they all, I know all these guys now. The fire, fire guys, first responders, all these guys, they come into the pub. The fire brigade have a, believe it or not, a burns night in a pub. And they raise money for charities and he gives us always quicker. They gave money. And if I crank night, police are all great as well. Mm-hmm. They're all good. See all the guys that's front line? It's a wee bit like that Manchester thing it was announced today about the the guys couldn't go into the bomb the, the bombing thing. But they're told not to go in. There's nothing they can do. They can't deploy themselves, if you like, self deploy or what's called. They can't do that. They so lose their job. Health and safety. Health and safety. Because I know struggle, I know because some. That's a fireman or something. Aye, somebody fell down a ditch and they could have. They could have got. That last year, can't get them. But they could have got them, but they've been uh, warned. You can't get health and uh, safety reasons. It must break their fucking heart, man. Nightmare for them. And I know all of these guys. You know, I know them personally. You know, and they, and they know that situation. It's a difficult for them. There's situations that they can reach these people. They can save them, but they're tell health and safety first. It's all red tape. Uh, but no doubt you'll get that because if, if you lose that person, that's going to live with you to the day you die. Do you know what I mean? Knowing that you could have saved a life, but you're told for health and safety reasons. Well, even it's not just saving a life. When you realise that somebody, if somebody's dying in a situation, what it's like to clutter and all, some other kind of situation, and they're dying, say they're trapped somewhere, and they die there because they were left. Now, if you manage to get them out, and they die in a hospital with a family run about them. It's a, a different scenario. No, it's uh, a different scenario because they're with their family and their family's with them when they die. If they're dying alone, trapped, and nobody helping them, it's a different thing. Uh-huh. You know, so that is precious in its own right to try and save their life even until they die, uh-huh. whether they're dying or not. Does you, it, must have been a, it must have been a heavy burden, man, on you. It must have or the, the stress and pressure, it still must be. It's not. Do you know, you hand, you're handling it well, aren't you? No, it's not. It's, it's, more, it's more stress on people who lost their family. It's more stress on people who've not got a house. It's more stress on people. I've got, my life's okay. I've yeah. got money and things like that and I go on holidays and all that sort of shit, you know. Mm. 
my life's easy. You know, all I do is stick up for people or write stuff or, or go on things and, and say, talk about it. That's easy. You get tired in the afternoon after you after this, I'll be knackered. That's just part of the drugs that you're taking. It's no drugs like you know, it's drugs like keeping you alive, you know what I mean? Are you on much medication? Is that, oh, for, the, Jesus, is that for the heart? Aye, that's a load of shite. Is that? Oh, it's murder. <laughs> I forget all the time, I know. That could be a good thing. my partner who's doing my wife, Lisa, in a wee rose, you know, for me, you know. Uh, is that, you know, it's, uh, but you're doing brilliant, and no doubt we'll do charity work in the future, because I've just organised a, you're doing a... Is this for me? A, 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 a charity festival. In St Luke's the twenty fifth April, so anybody looking for tickets, or get well, we'll put that on social media. Uh, yeah, Your social media is really strong. Good, because uh, just after the accident, it was uh, about a million and a half or something. Was that? Aye, uh, but we're half a million just now. Good one. It's the twenty fifth April at St Luke's. Twenty fifth April, we've got comedians, my good pals, D Maxwell, uh, Gary Falls, comedian, two fucking nut jobs. We've got bands, live bands, and we're doing the screening of the documentary Homeless at Christmas. Well, good. So we're doing that we. Festival fundraiser. Yeah. She looks as good. I know. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. And the people are nice, man. Yeah, they're good lads, aren't they? Because uh, we, we want to create enough noise. I think Glasgow's going to be at the forefront for a lot of uh, charity work, especially homelessness. And Aye, like I absolutely. Say, we can... Eventually, get... eventually, the Cliff will be a charity. Mm-hmm. That's a long-term aim, is to turn the Cliff of the pub into a charity. Mm-hmm. And it'll be used for charitable purposes, like as it is just now. You know, for, we use it for the fire brigade guys, like the Burns Night and various things like that, so they can have a night in it and raise money for whatever charity they get. And I'm no precious about the Clutha charity and the way like keeping it for it. I'd rather everybody share from it. And that's mm-hmm. why I share the donate to one thing. You could, if you go into donate to one, you could put in a five or a month and pick five charities. Mm-hmm. So you can share it. Not just one charity, you can share it between five or six. Well, you whatever. pick a charity you want to go to. Whatever's most close to your heart, sometimes uh, like stroke, cancer, homeless, uh, whatever. Uh. I think it's great, mate. And like coming on today and telling your story, it can't it be easy for people to come on and obviously talk about the past and what's going on? But I appreciate it, and I think people need to hear the story actually, what's going on with the cliff and of course they do. how much fucking about is going on. And well, the more we keep it in focus until we resolve and mm-hmm. get the answers, the better. And, and that's uh, why I do these things. No doubt we'll do all the charity work. So check your charity for the again people watching the charity website for people to go on and donate to win. Donate to win. It's go a, on, make it's a, a donate to you uh-huh. uh, it's a great cause, all the money goes to charity. It's not as four percent, eight percent like a lot of big charities. Um I just grateful for you coming on today, Alan, and, and telling your story, mate. And Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope you get the closer that you deserve, man, and, and all the other families, man. Thank you. Thank you. Podcast Network.